Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Today we're talking about shame. We're continuing our emotion series. This is the shame edition. I'm going to suggest to you that this one topic probably affects everybody. And the majority of Christians that don't reach their potential in life struggle with shame. It's actually much bigger than we like to admit. I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 3. At that moment, their eyes were open, that's verse 7, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breeze breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called the man, where are you? He... <laughs> um, usually when God asks you a question, he's not looking for information. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Then God asked another question. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Now watch this. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. (laughs) Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. I find it interesting. Shame from the very beginning was attached to blame. And here we are today, we take our shame and we always try to blame others for the things that are going on inside of our lives. It's always someone else's fault, it's never ours. Mankind now comes under a curse. The law of sin and death is released in the earth. There's judgment, there's disconnection, there's weakness, there's brokenness, and lots of blame to pass around. Now, none of you have ever shared your blame. You've never blamed anyone for your shame, have you? I have a picture I want to put up here just for fun. Now, most of you won't have a frame of reference for this, but I don't know if you noticed that car. He kind of didn't park inside the lines, did he? And he was driving forwards. He should be very ashamed. I'm just having fun with that picture, but it does kind of illustrate something in life. Sometimes, even though we're looking straight ahead, we can't drive where we want to get to. There's two main places that we receive shame from. The first place that shame comes from is from what others have done to us. The second place that we receive shame from is for things that we have done to others. Now, everyone's experienced shame. In fact, do you know that you can experience shame as young as 15 months old? At 15 months, you can experience shame. And I think to some degree this is why it's so embedded in you because you are experiencing this before you even have an awareness of what's going on. And some people have never lived life without this 
feeling of shame being active inside of their life. Believe me, no one is immune to shame. Now, I'm going to tell you some of the things that shame says. Because usually when you start talking about a topic like this, I get, well, you don't know me, preacher, or my past. You're right, I don't. You don't know what he did to me. You don't know what she did to me. You're right. I don't. I may not. But then listen to the following statements that shame makes. My life didn't work out how I thought it should. My marriage failed when my bleeping ex left me for someone else. Maybe I'm single now, raising my kids the best I can do. Now I've got this child that's a constant reminder of me of the things that maybe I shouldn't have done, but I did. I didn't mean to get addicted to alcohol, didn't mean to get addicted to drugs, didn't mean to become a sex addict. You people are so perfect. Nobody likes me. I certainly didn't choose to be abused. I didn't choose to be raped. And I certainly didn't choose to be molested. I cannot, for the life of me, remember your name, where I put my keys. I'm so angry all the time and I don't even know why. I hate myself. I'm not worthy of love. Nothing ever works out for me. It's all his fault. It's her fault. It's the dog's fault. <laughs> Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Get away from me. I'm not worthy. If you've ever made some of those statements, you might be struggling with shame. By definition, shame is a painful feeling arising from consciousness of something dishonorable, improper, or ridiculous. It's very different from guilt. Guilt separates what we've done from who we are. Shame doesn't do that. In guilt, I did something bad and I need forgiveness. In shame, I am bad. It's N-I-C-A-B-M. National Institute of Something Behavior Management. But anyway, they put out an infographic on this to kind of illustrate it, all the, the smart people, psychologists and psychiatrists, they got together and put this together, but I think it's very good for you to see this. So they've got three columns here that I'm gonna show you. Helpful guilt, which is healthy, unhelpful guilt, which is unhealthy, and shame, which is clearly not healthy. So definition, helpful guilt is a feeling of psychological discomfort about something we've done that is objectively wrong. That's easy for Christians. God sets a standard of right and wrong, so we know when we break God's standard of right and wrong, we should feel a little bit guilty. Unhelpful guilt is a feeling of psychological discomfort about something we've done against our unrealistically high standards. When a realistic bar is here and we set the bar here, it's unattainable. How many know we are practicing Christianity. You know this is a Christian church, right? They told you that before you came? But in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, they practiced Judaism. 
we don't practice Judaism anymore. We practice Christianity. Instead of trying to keep the law, we operate in a higher law, which is love. It's a subtle difference, but it's huge. And some of the laws in the Old Covenant that they tried to follow and failed and failed and failed and failed and then failed some more, it was an unrealistically high standard designed so people would realize that they weren't good enough to meet God's standard. Shame is an intensely painful feeling of being fundamentally flawed. There must be something wrong with me. An example of helpful guilt, Chris hits someone while driving drunk and feels guilty. Unhelpful guilt, someone forgot a coworker's name and feels terribly guilty about it. And shame feels like a worthless person who's only taking up people's time and wasting space in this world. Shame will tell you you shouldn't breathe the air that the other people need. Helpful guilt is caused by actions or behaviors that break objective definitions of right and wrong. Unhelpful guilt is caused by actions or behaviors that break unrealistically high standards. And shame is caused by an innate sense of being worthless or inherently defective. Am I talking to anyone today? Guilt starts around age three to six. Shame begins as early as 15 months. In the end, positive guilt will hopefully be positive and allow you to seek forgiveness and correct a wrong. It can lead to healing. Unhealthy guilt remains until we correct irrational beliefs. And shame is internalized and deeply connected to our sense of who we are, which makes it more difficult to resolve. Because you really believe that you're broken. And then they give you a little bit of solutions, but we're going to go... We're going to see what the scriptures have to say about some of these solutions. I want you to understand something. Shame affects your identity. I cannot see myself in Christ. Some of you have a hard time seeing yourself as a good Christian. Kind of a funny term. Because <laughs> what does a good Christian look like as opposed to a bad Christian? Are we all in this together, taking on the nature and the character of Christ? Are we all on the process of Christianity where we look more like him today than we did yesterday? Shame is an attack on us as image bearers. God made us in his image and in his likeness, and he wants us to reflect his love to the people around us. He wants us to operate in his character and in his nature. But in our brokenness, we go to shame, which prevents us from standing in the image of God and reflecting more fully who he wants us to be. You'll never become who God wants you to be if you stay in shame. You can't. Shame says, I don't believe that God has made me a new creation. When you're at home alone and you think to yourself, well... These other Christians, they seem to be getting this, but it never seems to work out good for me. I just can't grasp it. I can't get it. There must be something wrong with me. I must be broken beyond repair because, man, I still fall down. I still make mistakes. I still can't figure this out. 
but none of you have ever thought that. Shame, it produces a thought that we're unlovable. People who feel that they are unlovable will not be able to connect with others, ever. In marriage, they feel like there's no connection. In their group of friends, they feel like there's no connection, that nobody likes them. They go to work and they feel isolated and alone because at the core issue, they don't like themselves. And if you don't like yourself, you can't have a relationship with others. Can't. If you don't love yourself, how can you love others? Have to love yourself first. Then you can love others. But too many people are stuck in shame and they feel like they're unlovable. And then, I'll take it a step further. It's often driven by pride. Because at the end of the day, if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. Well, give me a chance to make that decision. Don't just tell me how I think before I even get there. And then what you do in shame, you posture this false personality that's not really real. And it adapts depending on who you're with, but the problem is eventually people see the incongruency and then they withdraw. When I'm with this group, I like chicken. But next week, I'm a vegetarian because I'm with a different group. When people see the incongruency, they withdraw, and that reinforces to you that you're not worthy of love because you're being rejected. You've created the very thing you're trying to get away from. The Bible tells me that we are a new creation in 2 Corinthians 5. Let's read 16 and 17. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Most understand we're made new, not broken. You must understand this. Because if you don't understand that you're made new and you're not broken anymore, the whole message of the gospel is what? Jesus came to not leave you where you were, but to get you somewhere else. All right, time out, preacher, time out. You know, if you're a new creation, then the old doesn't have any power over you anymore. God wanted us to be new. But let's go back to that time out, because you know what I've realized over the years? The struggle's real. We look at people that have walked through some stuff over a period of years and gained a level of victory, and we go, wow, it seems to be working out for them, but it's certainly not working out for me. It's a journey, not a short walk to the park. There's no quick fix. You start taking on the nature of character of Christ and you walk towards Jesus and you let him start changing you from the inside out day by day and moment by moment. You don't just arrive. Nobody just gets there. There's always more process. And some of you right now, you feel like you can't take two steps without falling flat on your face. 
And you look at the people that have been walking this out for a little while longer, and you're like, oh, yeah, their life is so perfect. Look at them. They've got this. Don't be fooled. Nobody's got this. Some people have healthier levels of relationship and healthier views of themselves than others, but everybody struggles with this at some point or another in their life. We all do, or we're lying to ourselves. And some of you have struggled with it for so long and it's so much a part of you, you don't even know that it's there or why it's driving all your behavior or why you feel like you're never good enough or you'll never make it. We have to allow God to start changing us little by little. Galatians 6. 14 to 17. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by the principle. They're new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my bodies the scars that show I belong to Jesus. The cross changed everything for us humans. Let me tell you, it's the power of God to change from the inside out. And you know, a lot of you have a lot of scars from this life. Some of you still have some open wounds that haven't even had a chance to turn into scars yet because you're still healing. You just keep walking, keep letting the Holy Spirit speak into your life, keep getting restored to wholeness, keep, keep developing the nature and the character of Christ. Because you see, I, I know something about shame that a lot of people don't. I can't pray shame off you. You have to choose to walk out of it. We have a new creation. We are a new creation. We have a new nature. And as you start taking on that new nature, you have to change your view of yourself. And you walk, and you walk, and you walk, and you fall down, and you get up, and you walk some more, and you walk some more, and you walk some more. But too many people get paralyzed because what? They fall down once? Oh, I'm not so good at this. And they go back to, I'm worthless, I'm useless. And they believe the lie over the truth. See, there was a debate going on in Christianity in the early days between the ones that followed the law of God and the way. And you got to understand, love is always our motive. It tells us in John, God so what? He loved that he gave. He loves you so much, he's going to tell you the truth. He loves you so much, he died for you. But see, love is our motive, not hatred. So many Christians, well, their message is pretty good. Sometimes they go about it wrong. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. He'll work on people's hearts. If you're trying to convict people, usually you put them in condemnation, which drags them back into shame. How'd that work out for them when you were trying to help them? This is why we operate in love. Speaking of which, we need community. You can't get free of shame alone. Can't do it. You can try, but it won't work. You need others. Brene Brown, she does TED Talks on this kind of stuff. <laughs> 
She says, if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. That's right on. But here's the double bind. Here's the dilemma for people that have been hurt by others. You want me to trust someone enough to tell them my story, but they might reject me. I told them at first service, I'll tell you at second. There's over 7 billion people on the planet. Find some other people to hang out with. (laughs) We need community. We need each other. Think about this. I think Pastor Rick talked about this last week, John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Think about this. The hottest part of the day is not the time of the day that you want to go outside and do manual labor. I know, some of you have had nice desk jobs forever and you don't remember what it's like. But the women would always draw the, 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 the water from the well in the morning. But this woman had so much shame, she couldn't be around the others because they always had something to say to her. They were always condescending. They were always better than her because their stuff, you know, they had it all together. I mean, this sister over here, she might have been on her second husband and this one was on her third, but man, I've had five. I must be broken more than they are. Do you see how shame drove her behavior? in the middle of the day. But what I want you to understand is Jesus confronted her right where she was at in community, and then she went back to the very ones that gave her her time, and she preached truth. And he brought her out of shame to a place of victory. How about in Luke 8? Wasn't there a woman? She had an issue. She was bleeding for 12 years. In Judaism, man, she was unclean. She couldn't participate in community or go worship with the others. She was unclean. She had to sit outside the camp. She wasn't allowed to go into community. She wasn't allowed to be a part of others. She was pushed aside and cast away and shamed. In fact, she was so shamed, she didn't walk up to Jesus and say, please pray for me and heal me. She said, maybe I'll just touch the hem of his garment and nobody will notice. Now, she's trying to hide by just touching his garment so her shame doesn't have to be revealed. And what does Jesus do? (laughs) Who touched me? (laughs) She went, ah! (laughs) Guarantee it. Why? Because, but he took her from a place of shame and brought her into a place of victory. There's a power in community and there's a victory that comes when you're honest about the struggle. Shame thrives in isolation. You can choose to walk out of it, but it really comes down to your core belief about who you are or who you think you are. We need God's righteousness. Philippians 3, 9, 10, 11, and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. (laughs) That's good, because you're not good enough to obey the law. And if you think you are, come talk to me after. We'll just go through the Ten Commandments. We'll see how you do. (laughs) I became righteous through faith in Christ. 
For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I'll experience the resurrection of the dead. Don't you see? God responds to faith. We have to believe that he can take us from where we are to get us to where we're going. It's faith. You receive forgiveness of sins by faith. We need the power of God in our life. There's a preacher named J.D. Greer down in North Carolina. He says this, when Satan convicts you of sin, he starts with what you did and tears down who you are. That's shame. That's what Satan does. He brings you to a place of shame because in shame you're powerless against him. The Holy Spirit starts with who you are and starts rebuilding what you did. In other words, there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness, there's restitution, there's healing. In Colossians 2, the Bible says, verse 13, you were dead because of your sins and your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled, can everyone say canceled? The record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it, say nailing. He nailed it to the cross. God canceled the record of wrong against you. He nailed it to the tree. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I find it amusing. The principalities that Jesus shamed by his resurrection when he obtained victory of them by dying on the cross and resurrecting from the dead, okay, he shamed them. They try to take their shame and put it on you when you fail to measure up to the standard that you think you're supposed to live up to. God does have a standard. But first, he makes us a new creation and he gives us the ability to live right. So many people try in their own power to obtain God's standard and you're never gonna do it. You'll never be good enough to meet God's standard. Some of you didn't wanna hear that because you've been trying to perform since you were a little kid to try to meet God's standard. You can't meet a standard. That's why salvation is free by faith, not of works. Again, sometimes we lack a core understanding of the message of hope, of the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Got one more here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's strength will be most fully revealed in your life when you realize that you're weak. When you're not good enough, that's okay, Jesus is. When you can't do it, he can do it through you. See, sanctification is something that God works in us when we realize that we can't sanctify ourselves. But as long as you're trying to sanctify yourself, God will say, have at it. <laughs> Good luck. But it's in your weakness that he shows up strong in your life. It's when you realize you can't do it alone. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need our Jesus. Okay, stand with me. Some of you are so stuck in shame 
that you don't know how to forgive. But we come to the Lord's table with unforgiveness in our heart, and it's not healthy for you. In fact, the Bible says don't do it. You need to let it go. And when you release forgiveness, it doesn't make right what was wrong. All it does is it positions you to allow God to get involved in the situation. Too many of us hold on to unforgiveness thinking we're going to punish someone, and ultimately we only punish ourselves. There's some of you here today, probably more than I would like to admit. And I want you to understand something. We're a family here. There's no perfect families. We're all broken image bearers. But some of you are going to need a point of contact. You need to take a step of faith and break the power of shame off of your life. And everybody's dealing with different things. Everybody that walked down isn't someone that's a sex offender. And everyone that walks down isn't someone that's angry and bitter. But we've all got stuff that the enemy tries to tie us down to. But I'm going to encourage you. You take a step of faith. You step out and start walking down the front and say, you know what, God? I'm going to trust you're going to break this off of my life and I'm going to walk out of this today and I'm going to continue walking to work this out because I know that just because you come down to an altar call today doesn't mean that your problem instantly goes away. But you know what? You've made a decision before God that I'm going to start walking in this direction. And as you keep walking in this direction, I trust that the spirit of life is going to come into your life and bring you freedom. Some of you need to know what happened to you wasn't your fault. Some of you need to know there's grace and forgiveness for you. Some of you are really scared when we start talking about this stuff because you don't like what you see. God wants to restore his people to a place of wholeness, but you have to partner with him and activate some faith today. You have to walk out. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you that your spirit is present today. And as men and women all over this room are taking a step of faith and activating, Lord, to break the shame off their life, to kill the pride. Because so many, Lord, will not get free till the pain of their shame is greater than their pride. We lay ourselves down today and we take up our cross. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you're going to breathe life, refreshing, renewal into the men and women of Windsor Christian today. Lord, that this morning our lives are changed forever because we can start seeing ourselves as you made us, sons and daughters of the Most High God, who are called beyond to higher things. And the discouragement of past is broken off your life this morning in Jesus' name. cup which represents his blood. The blood of Jesus is very powerful. Jesus hung on a tree naked. He endured shame. But some of you from the time you were born have never felt that you're good enough, have never felt that you're able, have never felt that you're going to make it. Life has been a struggle for you from day one as far as you know. 
But today, God wants to break that off of your life. He wants to speak life. Someone said, I can't take another step this morning. I don't think I can do it. And God's telling you, you can do it, son. You can do it, daughter. Rise up. Let faith arise in your heart right now. Some of you are so angry, you don't even know why you're angry. Let the Holy Spirit come in now and bring peace to settle the storm in your mind. Break the chains of hell off our life today, Holy Spirit. I thank you that we don't have to stay in shame. Jesus died for our shame. Today, Father, I thank you that we can walk out of it and declare boldly that I am a child of the Most High God. Let your great victory come into the lives of each one here today, Father. Let us receive forgiveness and mercy as we've granted it. And this day, we draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going back there. And help us to put on your lens so we can see ourselves as you made us, complete and holy and righteous, the new creation, not the old. And Lord, some are stuck right now. They can't see beyond the old, but help them to see the new. And it looks much better in the future than it does in the past. In Jesus' name. Just a few, few thoughts. If you're not in community, you need to get in community because that's where you're going to find the ultimate freedom. It's with others. Find some people you trust and start having some conversations. But God bless you all. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll look forward to seeing you next time.